Welcome, everybody, to Inside the Upside Down. Martha and Ghost Story and Mike Ricksecker going solo on a special Thursday night Inside the Upside Down, where we are going to be talking about storming Area 51. What in the world is this all about? What's the practicality of it? Is it really going to happen? What is the deal? So, uh, before. I posted this show, well actually I guess it would be when I posted this show, posted the event for it, in any case, uh, I started taking some questions so that we could get right into a, a lot of different things and I see that many people have already connected, Bree Jones, Stacy Comiskey, Andrew Cox, Tom McNicholas, so uh, very cool, thanks for joining us this evening. I still want to see if I can share this out, I disconnected the little Wi-Fi that's out here so this would have to try to connect to the uh, the house which is a little far away. All right, so let's actually just get right into a couple of the questions. The first one that was submitted was from uh, Cheryl Hussein, and she wants to know what the importance of storming Area 51 is and what does America hope to accomplish, and my thoughts as to how this information will be useful. Um, Cheryl's actually out in Pakistan, so I think she might have a little bit of a different perspective as as far as what Area 51 is. She's actually originally from Laurel, Maryland, but she's been in Pakistan for a while now. Um, and I, really, the whole thing comes down to, uh, it, it's, it's a joke, the whole storming Area 51. It was meant to be very playful. Uh, if I go up here, and I just kind of grabbed it real quick. So it, it was uh, Jackson Barnes is the guy who came up with this, and he actually ended up putting a, uh, a little disclaimer on the event that he created on Facebook to say, hey, this was just meant as a joke, it was meant as a gag, um, but basically it's this elaborate plan, and I've seen different people come up with all these drawings and schematics of how they're going to infiltrate Area 51. Basically, yeah, storming Area 51, um, they can't shoot all of us was kind of the deal, um, or they can't stop all of us, but they talked about being faster than the bullets, so if we knew, if we Naruto run, we can move faster than their bullets, so Naruto's an anime character, and if you've ever seen the show, um, basically they're like running through the trees at such a fast pace, I mean, they're just like pushing off from branch to branch to branch, tree to tree to tree, it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy it's kind of their ninja running through the trees um my kids used to watch the show so it's actually pretty good um you know the storylines are actually pretty deep for a uh, for a kid's show but in any case um that was kind of the idea that we're all gonna just run real fast in there and storm the place find out what's really going on um yeah the uh they can't stop all of us what I really want to say about that is, well, they could. It would be an absolute bloody mess, but have you ever seen uh, The Last Samurai where basically they're gunning down the samurai at the end with the Gatling gun, and it's just, you know, you're talking about a much you know, higher technology, bigger force, all of that, just mowing down this older class of um, uh, technology, and it's just, they just obliterate them. Yeah, they could do that. Um, I would hope it would never get to there should any such a thing actually ever happen. But I think I, I think we do have to take into consideration that um, that I think there are enough people now that really seriously do want to know what in the world is going on there. And we know that there's weapons testing. We know that there's uh, you know test planes being put up and things like that. And so. 
yeah, I get it. You know, we need to keep that stuff kind of secret. But as far as the alien stuff, really, um, I, I think I think his inspiration was probably the Bob Lazar documentary on Netflix. So we'll get into some of that here in just a little bit. Um, Tim Schoen, I had no idea Mike was familiar with Naruto. Um, yeah, actually, my favorite character is Kakashi. Um, just, I call him the sneeze ninja because Kakashi. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, Honda Road Media Road Trip to Area 51 so we can all Naruto run it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and Dawn, I watched that show because my son watched it. Yeah, exactly. I watched it because my kids are watching. It's like, okay, what are my kids watching? Um, you know, I was a diligent parent and tried to, you know, check out what they were viewing. And so there were certain shows that I did not allow them to watch. But um, Naruto was kind of on the edge there for a minute because, I mean, they just, they do seriously deal with death. Um, but you know, I think kind of the way they deal with it and there's a there's a lot of heart and soul that's actually in it. And I don't mean to like get into a whole Naruto thing, but it was brought up. Um, you know, there's some deep elements that um, that I hope they picked up on while watching it. So we had a bunch of other questions here from uh, Tim Schoen and Tom McNicholas. Uh, we'll get into some of these. Um, Tim Schoen, how long does the government intend to keep the contents of Area 51 a secret? Doesn't the public have a right to know given it's supposedly an extension uh, of an airbase. Um, so they're going to keep the contents of Area 51 secret for as long as they possibly can. You know, this is the U.S. government. And, you know, over time, they will declassify some things. Um, but there's a lot of things that are going to remain classified uh, for years and years and years to come. Um, they don't they, they really don't like sharing information unless they really have to. And every once in a while, they'll make kind of a good faith effort. Like, oh, we're declassifying all these documents. And they're like, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old and have like almost no relevance anymore, um, except from a historic purpose of just kind of knowing what certain things happen. Every once in a while, I can get like a little nugget of information to kind of add to the different conspiracy theories that are out there. So, um, you know, the big one a few years ago and i think tom asked about it right um maybe but in any case uh the, the question of um when they actually finally admitted there was an area 51 it was a cia in 2013 that finally said yeah actually there is an area 51 something we've known forever um and that came about because of a Freedom of Information Act uh, inquiry that was submitted in 2005. So think about how the government is working here with this in that, um, you know, it took them eight years to approve a filing um, for, a, for a Freedom of Information Act filing. So, I mean, that was... 1974 where that act was uh instituted that you know you could file for for information um and usually usually people do it on themselves they they want some information about themselves that's been filed away with the government so they they want to get at that they can file it for other things um and usually it doesn't take eight years but it did with this and so you think about they had eight years to figure out what exactly they were and were not going to say about it. Um, 
you know, if you look at the CIA website, I have it up here um, on the computer, you know, they have a nice little rundown about um, Area 51, U-2, uh, test flights, stuff like that. Tom McNicholas, in one of his questions, had asked about uh, why they call it Area 51. It's one of the nicknames. Uh, it's been called a number of different things. The Ranch, Dreamland, uh, some different things like this. But basically, it's part of the Nevada Test Site and Training Range at Groom Lake. Um, so it's had a lot of different nicknames over the years. Um, so it talks about that. Um, it goes into, well, they even had some Q&A here, like how do you get a super secret aircraft to a super secret facility? You know, just enough to kind of appease the the general public is essentially what it comes down to. Um, so, yeah, Tim, you kind of dominated the Facebook post questions. It's all right. There are some other ones in there. Um, Bree Jones says, I can see the need for not sharing information given current security concerns. Can't have everyone knowing what our defense and attack are. That would be bad strategy. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the actual, um, you know, test uh, test flights and things like that, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't want our enemies knowing what our technology is and, you know, what we have coming up on deck. I mean, I, I totally understand that, especially from being in the, uh, in the Air Force and understanding, uh, you know, the need for security, you know. So I totally understand that. Um, it, it would make no sense to be like, oh, yeah, hey, world, we're developing this so that, you know, maybe you can steal that technology, develop it faster, and then um, use it against us. You know, that's, we wouldn't want that. So I totally understand that. Um, you know, What's, what's kind of funny, um, when we go back to storming Area 51, um, is stuff like stuff like this. Okay, photographs of this area is prohibited. Of course, we're taking a photograph of it. So, you know, you get stopped along the way. And, you know, they try to tell you, if you look at some of the different signs, that, um, you know, this is a testing site uh, for ordnance, for, uh, for weapons. Uh, you can see bombing and gunnery range. And they, they do a lot of that there, too. And, and it's legit. You know, they do that stuff there. So, you know, to run up in there while they're doing uh, that sort of testing, you know, would definitely be a bad idea. Um, you know, I can't say with all honesty that's the only reason why they are, you know, prohibiting people from, you know, getting closer or getting even getting onto the installation or anything like that, um, you know, because they, if you get up to a certain point, you know, the the black the black truck comes out and gets you, you know, the the black vans, the black trucks, uh, the guys, <laughs> they will definitely come out there and they will get you. Um, I mean, honestly, you know, some of it, there is a certain uh, macabre appeal to some of it. You know, there's. You see those old videos of people watching the uh, nuclear testing. They'd be out there, you know, with the glasses, and they'd watch the mushroom cloud, and the wind would hit them, and, you know, you, you see their faces get all contorted and, and weird and stuff. Um, you know, there is something about us that we like to watch stuff blow up. So, you know, if you're just, you know, out there testing some some missiles or or some bombs that maybe we already have. I don't see why not let people get a little closer to it, um, and just at least see it from a distance. It's not that bad. Um, 
I, I guess they could make a case, well, there's certain new weapons that we don't want people to see dropped. I don't know how much of a bigger explosion you could possibly make these days, you know, so... So I'm kind of I'm kind of in the middle, and I understand it, but I think there's certain things that they could allow people in there to see as well. Um, so Don Francisco, has anybody seen the new series on uh, CW about Area 51? I have not, so I can't uh, talk to that. Atomic Nicholas, when you visit Las Vegas, you can see the military crafts flying around. I would assume they can out of Area 51. Um, yeah, you know, there's flights in and out of Area 51. Um, you know, if you, if you look at the overhead, um, well, this is actually of uh, Nellis. So, you know, there's, you know, there's airstrips out there. They, they fly in and out, you know, a desert. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you'll, you'll see those, uh, those planes fly in and out of there. So those aren't a secret, but there's, there's certain ones that they don't want people seeing. And those are the ones that they keep within the area that they do the testing and what have you. Now, like when Bob Lazar got in trouble, um, you know, he was out there showing his buddies the different saucers and things that were going up in the air. Of course, he was working on uh, trying to figure out that alien propulsion system on the disks that they have there. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, course you have to take Bob Lazar's word for it and that's uh and, and that's kind of the trick of it do you believe Bob Lazar now when he was first revealing all of his information they did a great job of trying to uh erase him so uh personnel records from Los Alamos were destroyed um his college records were destroyed they're, they're just gone they didn't even exist it took somebody coming forth with a uh with an old phone book from Los Alamos that said, hey, he's right here, you know, a phone director from the actual uh, organization. Um, you know, his personal friends were like, we we're dropping him off at Caltech, you know, so we could go to school, you know, I mean, they didn't walk with him into the classroom, but it's like, you know, long before he ever got uh, to work at Area 51, you know, he was, I, I don't think he'd be like making those type of long-term plans, like I'm going to fake going to college so that I can, you know, when I get into these uh, you know, different locations, then um, it, it just, I mean, give me a break, right? So, um, Heather Steele says she's excited for this one. Cool, cool. Um, so, yeah, it, it just comes down to, to whether or not you believe Bob, and I, I believe Bob Lazar, and mostly because of the, uh, we talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago when we did a uh, an Alien episode, and, or I think it was when we did the conspiracy, yeah, when uh, Vanessa and I did the conspiracy theory show. Um, and I do believe Bob, and it's mostly because of when he talked about the phone tapping and, you know, his wife cheating on him and, and things like that. And, you know, you might be scratching your head a little bit. It's like, why would that? you? Because of the way he described what they did where they were, you know, on the verge of, you know, pulling his clearance. Of course, I know from the wiretapping, having been in NSA, um, you know, my ex-wife, when I was working there, had a meltdown. They almost pulled my security clearance because of that. And it's like, 
just because I'd been through those experiences in the way he described his experiences with that whole situation within the organization, it's like, that's exactly what they were doing with me. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm believing this story. Um, <laughs> uh, Tim's always excited when we go live. Cool. So I know uh, there are a couple other questions from before the show. Let's see if we can get a couple of those. Um, so Tom McNicholas, if they have aliens or any spacecraft, wouldn't they're uh, protected by storing them underground due to any radiation exposure? Well, those um, those crafts are supposed to be uh, underground. Is, is kind of the thing when uh, when Bob described it there. He talked about going underground, that that's where they're stored, and that's where he was working on these things. It's not in, like, those hangars and everything that you kind of see in the overhead shots. Um, that's not where that stuff is. That stuff that you see in those photos, those overhead, those aerial photos, I mean, that's the regular Air Force stuff. That's the, you know, regular airplanes and, and all of that. It's not the it's not the UFO stuff. Um, and then, Tom, if they start shooting at everyone who breaks through the gates, wouldn't it be a government-approved action? Well... You know that's kind of the scary thing. So let's see. Let's say a million people do show up. Maybe not even a million. Let's say just you know, I don't know, ten thousand people. That's that's a good chunk of people that could storm those gates. You know, they uh, of course they're not going to have the type of weaponry that the uh, you know the U.S. Air Force has there. And that's where I was talking about you know kind of the last samurai type of thing where they mow them down and something like that. They would have to be real careful about because um, there would be a massive public outcry if they did something like that. I mean, they might do something like, um, oh, you know, maybe some rubber pellets or some tear gas or something like that just to kind of like back the people off because um, I don't think anybody wants to like seriously kill anybody over this. Um, I mean, they do arrest people. They do detain people that go into there. Uh, but usually it's like, a, you know, a small number of people like, you know, Bob and his buddies, you know, is kind of what ends up happening. Having thousands of people out there, you know, that's a little bit different. You know, they have to get into some more riot type tactics uh, to be able to handle that. Uh, what's interesting to me is the... Um, you know, the Air Force's reaction. I have that over here somewhere. Okay. Yeah, just kind of the stuffed shirt, you know, type of response. Uh, this is from Laura McAndrews, uh, U.S. Air Force spokeswoman, says, Area 51, this is in brackets, because they don't actually call it Area 51 themselves, uh, is an open training range for U.S. Air Force, and we would discourage anyone from trying to come into the area where we train American armed forces. U.S. Air Force always stands ready to protect America and its assets. So, you know, they're taking the stance of, you know, this is, uh, you know, American property. And so a, a bunch of, you know, hooligans running into the location to try to uncover or destroy or whatever that they're going to protect those assets. Um, it's kind of the stuffed shirt response. Um, yeah, no, no kidding. You're going to try to protect your, your stuff. Um, Although one could contend that if it's American assets, then Americans should have the right to know what many of those assets are. And I say many because, like I said, there are secret projects that I believe should remain secret for a while, um, just in the you know the defense of America and that sort of stuff. Um, but when it comes to the alien stuff, which I do believe is there why not let us know that it's actually there? Um, 
So, Bree Jones, thing is, government is watching all this, so what makes anyone think they can storm the place and surprise the government? They'll still be ready to block people some way, somehow. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they're monitoring that stuff all the time. I mean, when that came up on Facebook, it threw all these red flags. Uh, from my understanding, uh, he was contacted and started being you know, questioned <laughs> as to what his intentions were, which is why I believe that he um, you know, threw that up there about... Um, and what did he say? He said, I just thought it would be funny to get me some thumbsy uppies on the internet. I'm not responsible if people actually decide to storm Area 51. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's all in good nature just trying to have some fun with it, but it does always, you know, raise an alarm to the U.S. government. Hey, you know, here's here's somebody that may be planning in, you know, a quote-unquote attack on Area 51, um, you know, which would not be in the interest of the government. And I don't think it's necessarily in the interest of us to, you know, <laughs> to attack Area 51, um, Nellis Air Force Base. That's not the idea. Um, you know, the idea is to find out, you know, the extraterrestrial information that they're hiding there. And we know it is, and it's not just there either. You know, it's, it's all over the country, it's all over the world. Um, you know, there's other countries out there that have been willing to admit much more than the United States. Um, the United States always seems to take a tactic of, you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to refrain from disclosing as much as we can for as long as we can and hoping that gives some little bit of advantage somewhere. So we're going to deny, 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 deny until we're blue in the face about it, even when everybody already knows about it. I mean, you know, we knew about Area 51 long ago. Of course, Bob Lazar was the big whistleblower, you know, back in 1989. Yeah, when like Independence came, Independence Day came out in 1995. Um, was it 96? Right, right around there in any case. Um, you know, that just made it even more mainstream than now, you know, sure, a lot of people already heard about it and already known about it, but now it becomes a blockbuster movie. You know, so it's even, it's out there even more. It takes 10 more years for somebody to even file a Freedom of Informa Information Act request on the matter. And then it takes another eight years for information to finally get unveiled. So they have eight years to kind of massage all that information. Um, they've already had enough, you know, 10 to 15 years beforehand to kind of think about it. So you're talking 20, 25 years for the government to just sit on it and stew and just deny, 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 deny until they get their story in the place that they want to tell and give a little bit here, give a little bit there, you know, but not really give us the goods. So yeah, they're willing to admit, yes, this place is called Area 51. Yes, there's, um, there's all this uh, military testing that's there. But they don't tell us the other stuff that we know is there. So they'll still refrain from the alien stuff for now. Um, so Don, this spokesperson said it's because the aliens are training soldiers. Yeah, yeah, that would be something. You know, there are people out there, seriously, there are people out there that, um, let's say, that have been trained by aliens or they were bred in a test tube or what have you and have actually been sent up to Mars to actually defend or battle and all this stuff. And, you know, and now they've come back down. They're part of this secret program. I'm, I'm not on board with all of that. But there are people out there that claim these things. Um, 
Karen uh, Pedroza. Maybe they think it would cause mass hysteria if we knew for sure and that they're either uh, what they're coming here for or here for. Um, yeah, I, I think we've gotten to the point now. Now, if this was the 1940s, you know, uh, when, when was War of the Worlds? Was that the late 1930s? You know, back then, yes, caused mass hysteria. We've been so conditioned now for the last 40, 50, however many years that there's other life out there. You know, and I know some people still debate as to whether there's other life out in the universe. There is, okay, just flat out, there is. Um, you know, there's there's no way, if you just, if you think about this, with how vast the universe is, just mathematically, there are billions of potential worlds out there, billions of potential worlds out there, like Earth, that could hold life. Many of those, the Earth is only like four and a half billion years old. The universe has been around for over 14 billion years old. So there's worlds out there that have had billions and billions of years of a jump on us to develop, right? And so the the odds of other civilizations being out there and traveling the cosmos and possibly coming across our planet are actually pretty good because we're seemingly a younger planet compared to the rest of the universe um and we've been talking about this now um you know really ever since i guess probably actively ever since the roswell thing you know um got a little bit more involved with with what was going on with the space race okay we started thinking about more of these things uh when the space race was launched so 50s 60s you know we've been talking about this for a long long time and so i think most people are probably like yeah yeah there's probably other life forms out there um i don't think it would be too much of a surprise for people if you know, they knew that other life had visited this planet, you know. Um, so I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's like 100 years ago where people would just absolutely freak out. Um, you know, it would cause, and it probably would cause a crisis of faith that long ago. These days, yeah, not so much. Um, uh, Dan Ravel, I'm thinking the military will respond the same way they would if they were planning on storming Fort Knox. Um if people were playing a story of Fort Knox. I mean, I think there would be, um, you got basically like a line of troops. Um, I think they would issue a crap ton of warnings. Um, I think they would, you know, probably throw down some, uh, like I said, they'd probably start with rubber pellets and some gas. And they would probably treat it in many ways like almost any other city riot, um, you know, until maybe things got out of hand. Um, I think they would probably do anything that they could to prevent using lethal force. And unfortunately, there would probably be some sort of accident and there would probably be some fatalities or something involved. Uh, but I think for the most part, once people, there's always there's always those that are going to, you know, push the envelope and do something bad um, and, and take it to a, a bad place. I think most of the people We'll probably be like, oh, yeah, they got bigger guns than we do. Um, we're, <laughs> we're probably not going to be able to handle this, you know. And then once the choppers, they'll probably send some choppers overhead and things like that, you know, basically just to kind of s scare them off, 
you know, have the choppers come overhead, just kind of lower them a little bit, you know, so they feel that that pressure and that air whipping around them. Um, you've got like this wall of guys coming at them uh, with these guns and, you know, throw some gas down. And yeah, I, I think most people would bug out at that point. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I pretty much agree with you there, there Dan. Um, Don Francisco, we need Vanessa to remote view Area 51 for real. But the aliens might throw a mind lock on her. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Have Vanessa remote view Area 51. Um, <clears throat> you know, considering that the government has been in on remote viewing experiments anyway. Um, what was that? Uh, Project Stardust, right? And they were using remote viewers to try to, you know, spy on Russia and other enemies around the world. Uh, with varying degrees of success, mind you, you know, some of, some of those things were absolutely spot on, you know, and they would, they would vet these people and they, you know, have the really good ones, uh, working for them. So, um, yeah, they've, the government's used remote viewing before, um, whether Vanessa could remote view with, I don't, I don't, and I don't know, would the aliens be able to throw up some sort of protection if they're, um, if they communicate a lot with telepathy, would they be able to block something like that? I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a good question. Um, maybe we could have Vanessa try to do that one of these days. Right now, she's currently flying to Ireland. So, um, let's see. Tim Shannon, I was thinking Roswell may have influenced Area 51 equals aliens things. Well, I mean, there's a lot of, um, I mean, there, there's a lot of stories about what happened with the, uh, the crash from Roswell, you know, went to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base for a while, uh, some of that material. So there's a lot of things going on there too at Wright-Pat. Um, I think, you know, Bob's really the one that blew it off of uh, with uh, Area 51, you know, confirming that there are things down there. But, um, you know, in the Four Corners area, there's supposed to be some different things. Um, like I said, Wright-Pat, there's, there's a lot of different places, even just, you know, really around the world that you know, supposed to be having different um, alien technologies hidden that, you know, even, you know, up in Alaska where I was stationed, um, not saying I saw anything, but um, just there's rumors up uh, about up there. Um, really, the only thing I ever saw, you know, I've talked about this before in the, uh, on the NSA, well, it was aliens and NSA secrets and all that stuff is, you know, basically when you're just, I mean, I had a top secret clearance, but it's all compartmentalized. So, you know, there's certain areas that you can get into with whatever compartment you have on your top secret clearance. And even if you are allowed to get into that compartment, you still have to have a need to know to get into specific information. So, um, you know, like with, with my compartment, a lot of different things that I was doing, especially being in computers was I was, you know, working on, um, you know, the different computers that were within that compartment, you know, load up software, troubleshoot network stuff, things like that. To actually use the software myself, um, other than just starting it up to make sure, well, there it goes, it's installed. Um, to actually start using it and doing the different things within there, I wouldn't be allowed to do because I didn't have the need to know that information coming out of there. Um, my need to know was simply to make it work. <laughs> so um, it's kind of an interesting world. Um, so I saw surface stuff of like different organizations that were there 
pertaining to um, extraterrestrial stuff. You know that um, you know that they're searching for extraterrestrial life and search and stuff like that, um, but never got like any specific, um, you know, no photos or anything like that because it's just all compartmentalized. So, um, let's see, Bree says, heard a joke a long time ago. Best way to know intelligent life exists in the universe. None of it has ever visited planet Earth. We're just a hot mess. Well, this is true. <laughs> We're definitely a hot mess here. Um, uh, let's see. So uh, they had a 10-hour layover in D.C. Plan leaves at 10 p.m. Wow, I didn't know they had that long of a layover in D.C. That's crazy. I mean, I saw some photos of Vanessa like laying on the floor and sleeping. So, <laughs> um, yeah, crazy stuff. It's uh, it's a long flight. So, and that's another area there, that part of the world, uh, the U.K. I and mean, they're going to be in Ireland. Um but England, um, England's had a lot of UFO sightings there, uh, a lot of different things going on, uh, how much of it pertains to, you know, the U.S. You know, it's interesting. Um, like I said, some of these other countries seem a little bit more, um, it, they seem to talk about these things a little bit more than the United States. You know, with with, uh, with Britain, you used to be able to call into like a hotline. It, many of you are probably familiar with, Nick Pope and so he was a part of that organization fueling all these different sightings and kind of massaging the data and you know figuring out what's real and what's not and so that's why he's come forth with hey you know a lot of you know, sure there was a lot of garbage that came through um and people that made things up but there's a lot of legit stuff that came out uh through that as well um you know I see it's a lot more locked down on stuff like that you know and then you see some other countries out there that are even more, yeah, hey, you know, we've seen some stuff, you know, so, um, yeah, it's just interesting how tight-lipped the United States is about it, and so, you know, Area 51 just happens to be, like, their most tight-lipped area about it, um, yeah, you guys saw Vanessa napping on the floor, it's pretty crazy, um, so, yeah, I'll go ahead and take any uh, other questions that you guys have down in there. Um, but that's, you know, kind of my viewpoint on the whole storming Area 51 thing is I totally get it. And, you know, I uh, I understand the desire, you know, even though this was meant in totally a joking manner, I totally understand the desire to just want to storm the place and get the real information of what's going on there. You know, and I think, you know, there's definitely power in numbers. And I think a lot of times um, the government does take us for granted that, you know, we're just going to be little sheep and we're going to do what we say and we'll all fall in the order. There may be a couple people here and a couple people there that uh, voice themselves kind of strongly and we'll either appease them with a little information here, make them... Uh, you know, go go off on their own, like, here, take this a little bit and just be gone, um, you know, or sometimes it just, they get squashed. Uh, that happens too. Um, but there is a power in numbers. And so I think one of these days, there is going to be some sort of serious um, gathering of people that will have to force their hand and either finally just, you know, fess up, there's something here, 
which they're extremely reluctant to do, or it's going to turn into some sort of huge mess. And it's the latter that they usually tend to go with because they they tend to, um, no matter whatever the circumstances are, just keep type lit on everything until you know, the last moment possible, and if it has to get messy, then it gets messy, and we'll excuse it away, and we'll concoct some sort of story, you know, we'll have somebody be the scapegoat over here, whatever it is, I know it's very conspiracy theory-ish, but that legitimately happens, you know, they're, they're not going to let you know what they know unless you force it from them, and I'm not advocating violence or anything like that, but um, that's, just our human history you know i'm not just talking about area 51 it's kind of our uh our human history that this is the way things happen if there's some power there that doesn't want to reveal something or give something up they're going to stand by and stand by and stand by until it becomes an absolute mess you know and then if they if they win um if they're still able to hang on to it then this mess that happened well, they're the ones that are the victors. They get to write the history of the matter. And so, you know, it's, you know, I love history, but a lot of it makes you wonder as to what is actually real and what is actually actually true. And so right now with Area 51, um, in, in other areas like this and other government secrets that we have out there right now, we're living that history and we're going through all of that. You know, hundreds of years from now, you know, our descendants will look back on that knowing hopefully more of the truth they still might not know all of it um but they'll have a lot more retrospect to be able to see and figure out exactly what was going on during our time while we're in the middle of living in it so it makes it uh much more difficult for us so all right um heather Steele, are there any stories of ghost astronauts interesting okay um, as far as like, uh, a United States ghost astronaut, I can't think of one, but cosmonauts, the Russian cosmonauts, look it up. It is like the creepiest thing, um, with the, uh, uh, with the Russian cosmonauts. I mean, there have been ones that, you know, they've airbrushed out of photos. Yes. But then there's ones where there's like some audio that's been captured and it's female and it's a Russian woman and it's a radio chatter between her and um, what, what seems like a Russian uh, space organization and she's talking about at least from the Russian that was translated because I don't speak Russian um, she was having some sort of difficulty with what was going on. And so apparently whatever happened to her, she perished and died. But it's just the creepiest thing to listen to uh, of this woman. And so while not necessarily a ghost, it's it's really like <sighs> her voice is kind of spectral. It really is. It is, it is the creepiest thing. Um, I've always meant to do a thing on the uh, the Russian cosmonauts and um, and the the missing cosmonauts. Basically, um, you could, in a sense, call them ghosts because their their lives have 
just been airbrushed out as as if they never existed so their lives are like ghosts and then whatever happened to this woman the the russians we have a lot of secrets the russians did a lot of secret testing as well it's um and just like even more so um there's there's things that they that they did experiments that they ran that um we'll probably never know all the grotesqueries that uh, that actually happened and you know what they say the same thing about us really um but look look that up i, I forget exactly what the clip was called but it's, it's a uh it's a uh russian missing cosmonaut audio clip of a woman that is she's in some sort of peril and it's creepy as hell so um so don francisco i think we should all storm congress and see what the hell's going on there well yeah i was and that's on both sides of the house. Doesn't it, to me? To me, when it comes to the politicians, we'll just go here real quick. Um, all politicians um, are rich, powerful people. They're rich, powerful people seeking more money and power, um, and that's really what our American political game has come down to. It's it's, it's not about the people at all. It, it's about just them running their game and. Our entire system these days is they're, they're all control mechanisms. You know, you know, when it comes down to, um, you know, just you look at like 100, 120 years ago, um, so many of the things that we have in place now that we just think is, oh, well, that's just the way it is. You know, income tax, you know, a lot of the different, you know, forms of identification and things like that, um, they just didn't exist back then. And so you're really more of a free person. Um, of course, that would left a lot of room for corruption because you could, um, you know, change your name at the drop of a hat and stuff like that. But, um, you know, still, it's uh, it's just crazy the, the things that, that have been done over the past hundred years. So, Cat uh, Lev, hey, how's it going, Cat? Good to see you. Um, lots of UFO activity in Rhode Island and Arizona. There's an old uranium plant in Rhode Island that had a lot of UFO sightings. Also, Narragansett in 2007 had some strange sightings over the ocean. My husband saw a UFO when we first came to Arizona, and MUFON contacted him for a report. Yeah, well, Arizona's a, another one of those locations out there uh, that gets a lot of sightings. Um, I was on Dave Scott's show um, a couple months ago. Uh, about Route 66, and so we were talking about how that uh, that portion of Route 66 is a decommissioned highway, but there's still historic parts of it and things like that. But um, through there, through New Mexico, through Arizona, that there are a lot of UFO sightings on that um, Rhode Island. Um, yeah, uh, Andrea Perrin, um, you know, she's you know, of course the Conjuring House, all that stuff. Uh, she's talked many, many times about her first. Uh, extraterrestrial sightings her first ufo sightings were there at the uh, farmhouse in rhode island and so yeah very haunted house uh, and all the crazy things that went on there for the 10 years that they lived there uh, but she also had et experiences there as well uh, so quite interesting and if you go to um we didn't act, we actually didn't do it this year uh, probably because yeah well they had reopened the, the farmhouse and all that stuff but um Last year at Ocean State Paracon, we did a thing out by the lake where, um, you know, Andrea was basically teaching people, you know, how to look up in the sky and, and, and see where they are and things like that. So it was pretty interesting. 
Um, Don says, Sedona, Arizona is where I want to go investigate UFOs. Cool, cool. And um, let's see. Elizabeth Goldstein, do you believe that aliens uh, once were here on Earth and left a piece of technology behind? That is when cell phones began because they studied that piece of technology that's far more advanced than we could ever imagine. Um, so, I mean, I do believe that in our past, aliens did um, did visit us. You know, and I have no problem believing that at all. You know, and I know that the whole ancient alien things is uh, quite controversial. Um, I'll say I don't believe that they built the pyramids. I believe that humans built the pyramids. But did aliens come and perhaps give the humans some sort of knowledge to be able to do that? Um, you know, I'll leave that one on the table. I think it's, that's quite possible. Um, you know, were the Anunnaki actually aliens? I don't know. I, I think there is some evidence there to point toward that perhaps they were. Um, and they imparted, you know, information to the, uh, to the humans. Um, it's to me, the jury's still out on all of that. I think there's still a lot that has to get proven, although there's plenty of people out there that believe there's, there's enough out there to show it and to prove it. Um, you know, there's great arguments on both sides as to why a certain artifact or a certain historic site is human and others that'll say it's alien. I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it's human that our previous civilizations knew how to do things back then that we just don't today and a lot of that knowledge got lost to time but the origins of that knowledge could possibly be extraterrestrial in nature and they could have learned it from somewhere else um so heather says i figured if somebody died in space surely there would be hauntings there somehow i mean it, it's quite possible i mean it would take having to go up you know Get, you know, get on the moon. I, I don't think anybody actually died on the moon. At least that we know of, right? <laughs> um, you know, or orbit the earth and see if there's a ghost floating around there. I mean, it, it would have to take something like that. Um, and Dawn, I believe that we were planted here by a dying alien race. Um, Dawn, that's, I mean, that's, you know, an interesting concept because I've brought it up before um, with our own planet that, we need to think long term, okay? We we as humans live s such short lives that we that we think e extremely short term. So it's like you know our life, maybe our children, and that's it. In in the grand scheme of humanity, it's a very very short period of time. Um, so it's hard for us to think beyond that. But in the grand scheme of things, and I'm not going to claim to be a tree hugger or anything like that, but uh, we need to think off planet. Um, there's a lot of things that we're doing, of course, to destroy this one. Um, I do believe that we, we have a contribution to climate change, although I also believe that climate change is already happening. Um, climate change, if you look throughout the history of the earth, climate change has always happened. Um, it is for real. You know, there, there had been an ice age when the ice age came and when it left, that was climate change. It happens. Uh, but I think that there are things that we're doing as humans to speed that up. Um, so there's that. Um, the increasing population issue is an issue. Um, I'm not going to go so far as to like Dan Brown's Inferno and say that we should you know, come up with some sort of virus to wipe out a bunch of people. Um, you know, the Black Plague did a good job of that many years ago. Um, 
and so that's but see that's kind of what i fear is something like that where um something's going to happen here with the human race and it happens with any other animal that there's a pendulum of population up and down up and down and we're kind of like right here toward the top so something has to happen here um usually it's in the form of a disease that will break out and nature will take care of itself and decimate the population um we don't want that to happen so um another thing that happens you would say with nature but humans would do this to themselves they're all on top of each other um hostility grows and they wipe each other out so that happens um where the species actually wipes itself out uh the other option is to get off the planet and so with the uh budding population with the climate issues that we're having and eventually along the way this is a legit thing that this planet will no longer be here yes it's billions of years away that the sun will envelop the earth and destroy it it is going to happen we're not getting out of that i know it's very long term but considering where we are right now as a planet we have to start considering getting off anyway um and if we already have that in place then whenever that happens with the sun to destroy the earth then we'll already have the technology in place to go somewhere and it could be that that has already happened like don said i know it's kind of a long way to get here to this point um but it's very possible that that has already happened that the human race has already come from somewhere else that you know that that was already happening to their planet whether it's the population thing or the climate thing or you know warring factions or the sun was destroying their planet um so it's very possible we were were placed here by a dying alien race some people try to say it came from mars i mean maybe they went to mars first and then came here we don't know um it's, it's very interesting to think about um something when it comes to bringing it back to area 51 and visits from other alien life forms and other alien races um they some of these visitations may be from races that are currently going through this now they may be looking for a new home like something's happening to their planet and they're looking for a new place to inhabit um and if they're doing that they have the technology to seek out and colonize so i would think then that we should you know i mean obviously we're probably already communicating with them if we have this stuff um but we should get some of that information from them because we're going to be facing the same situations here um probably a lot sooner than than we think and we're comfortable with so all right let me check the uh chat here because i was kind of rambling on for a little bit there um yeah don politics is the paranormal leaning toward cryptozoology yep there you go uh dan people spend millions to get elected to make thousands something wrong there it is the power yep it's total power trip um don i always wondered if the visions that people witnessed in the bible were actually aliens they were seeing um i mean it's possible maybe they were aliens maybe they maybe they were spirits um and there's a lot of different possibilities that that they could have been um hard to say but it's possible um 
Yeah, Heather Steele, our grandkids will be doing space investigations. That would be very cool. I hope so. So Elizabeth Goldstein, Leighton's theory tells us that we come from the ocean in the phone. We're just a bunch of organism and fungus. Um, I'll say this. We're all stardust. We are all stardust. So even that uh, uh, organism and fungus and all that, it all comes from the stars. And if you just look at the way that the universe evolved and the way a solar system is formed and all of that, this was all once dust out into space that ended up coming together. So we're all stardust. Um, so let's see... In Dawn, um, there's an episode of Star Trek New Generation discovered that aliens had planted their children on all planets, and, which then evolved into human and Klingons and all that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of different, uh, you know, theories like that, that there are other human races out there that really what we're seeking are ourselves, that, you know, many of these aliens could possibly be, um, you know, human in nature that, evolved differently over time that could be you know that maybe some of these like the grays that we see maybe we come from the same original organism and they evolved differently than us over time i mean it's i guess maybe possible um you know or maybe there's other you know humans out there that you know kind of basically look just like us um and they're almost identical maybe have a couple differences um the Stargate, uh, the Stargate series did a lot with that. With most of the life forms that they seemed to encounter were just humans, but they happened to be um, happened to be on other planets, and they were using the Stargates to to go back and forth. Um, so let's see, Donna, I'm a breed of coffee drinking fungus. Nice. Um, yeah, Tim Schoen's calling it out. Even at Stardust, I've got to have my Haunted Road Roast. Okay, it helps you hunt ghosts. We'll do it. We'll do it. This episode is brought to you by a Haunted Road Roast. It helps you hunt ghosts. There we go. I did it. So, oh, yeah, and I even forgot to say at the very beginning, you knew tonight's topic was getting serious because I busted out the glasses. <laughs> it happens. Um, yeah, and I actually do have my Haunted Road Roast going on right now. So... Um, yeah, a lot of interesting concepts to think about. I mean, you can get really, really sci-fi about it, um, going into you know a lot of the different concepts that they explored in, in Star Trek, they explored in Stargate, and you know these other these other shows. Um, you know, a lot of those you know give good food for thought. You know, is it really that way? Not really sure. There's no way to know right now, um, but. What's interesting, I should have thrown it down in here as a uh, as a photo, and I, I didn't really know we were going to go down this uh, down this way. But when they've done infrared of the universe, they've actually been able to see. Now you can go back into our. Um, I just posted the episode earlier today as a throwback Thursday. Our uh, UFO and NSA video from earlier this year. But you can actually see how the universe is connected from solar system to solar system. You have these like strands of energy uh, between all them. They got this off the of infrared, you know. So it's it's pretty much already 
proven that we're all connected. So, you know, we're connected to other galaxies and solar systems that are out there. And maybe there is a way, you know, like a lot of these shows and movies and whatnot depict, you know, maybe there is a way through a wormhole or what have you uh, to travel to these places. Use something like a Stargate. You know, there's that one in uh, South America that, um, you know, that, that looks like that giant doorway just carved into the mountain, right? You know, was that possibly a Stargate at, at one point in time? It's possible, you know. We don't know. I mean, it's obviously not working right now. You can walk up to the thing and you don't go anywhere. But um, maybe at one point it was. So, um, yeah, Brandy Starleeper saw the glasses and was like, uh-oh, serious topic. Well, yeah, yeah, we got serious there for a little bit. Um, all right, so um, we've gone almost an hour here. So if you have any last-minute questions, go ahead and throw them in there, and I'll go ahead and take them. Otherwise, we're going uh, to start wrapping it up here pretty soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's my take on, on Area 51 right now. That, um, you know, don't go running out there, obviously, right now. Um, that would not be uh, that would not be advisable to your health. So I, de- I definitely don't condone that. Um, but I would like to think, I would like to think, that there is a way, as a as a group, as a large group, a collective whole, that we can impress upon the government that we have the right to know what's going on with this alien stuff. You know, disclosure is to to me it's a big deal that this is something that we should know about. I think many of us already have a pretty good idea as to what's going on out there. And I think we just really want the details. You know, give us the details of what's going on. Let us meet somebody, you know, from from one of these other solar systems. You know, let's, let's pick their brain a little bit and uh, learn a few things. You know, something that I would love. I mean, just, I, you know, unfortunately, those in power always love to militarize everything. And I, I'm afraid that's where this goes a lot. Um, they're always thinking militarily, like, okay, they they have a technology, we want it because we want we want to make a weapon out of it. You know, very human way of thinking. But what I want to see are like photos from these other worlds. You know, show me a picture of what it's like on somebody else's planet. You know, that's you know, it's uh, show me a, a a selfie from Alpha Centauri. You know, <laughs> I'd love to see something like that. Um. Bree Jones, there's an old video game like that, Mist. Yeah, Mist. I loved Mist. That was a great game. Um, so let's see, Elizabeth Goldstein. There was a meteor, uh, Ryan, that hit the Earth and killed off the dinosaurs. Earth became livable. Um, well, yeah, there's the uh, the the large meteor uh, down there in Central America, uh, the Yucatan, that hit and yeah, just and basically wiped out the dinosaurs when that hit. Basically change the face of the earth. I mean, you want to talk about climate change? Boom, there you go. There you go. Um, okay, so you guys are kind of going into Star Trek episodes. Um, and you guys always love extra episodes inside the Upside Down. Yeah, it was um, just kind of random. Um, like I said, it was something that uh, Shauna wasn't really going to be able to talk about, but I wanted to cover it. And so we did the Hitchhiker Ghost the other night, and I figured I would just make a special night of... Um, 
of this. I'm going to, what I'm going to do is end up uploading this to YouTube tomorrow night as the Friday night video for those that, uh, that weren't able to watch it. Um, I've been trying to do that with, uh, with these videos here that we do out on uh, Facebook. So, um, Heather Steele saw the photos from Mars on VR and wept. I'd love to see more images from other worlds. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I love, um, I loved it when we did the, the Pluto flyby. I'd been waiting 15 years for that. <laughs> that was, I remember, um, when they announced that they were doing the launch and all that. And I followed that, uh, that whole time. I waited 15 years to see that heart on Pluto. That was awesome. So, um, yep. All right, everybody. So, um, for those on the podcast, because this will go up to the podcast as well, please be sure to uh, follow us or subscribe to whichever podcast platform you're currently listening to this on. And then uh, when this gets uploaded to YouTube, please go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. So, I'm Mike Ricksecker. Thank you guys for a very wonderful evening. Till next time. <laughs>